Well, welcome to this week's episode of the Reflections Podcast for First Baptist Church of Washington, Michigan. We're grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to listen to our conversation. And as always, we want to start by reminding you that our conversation is meant to be listened to in the context of Pastor Phil's message from this morning. And that is for October 25th, and it is our outward, it's evangelism, our outward focus, and that should be part two. So if you have not listened to Pastor Phil, stop listening to us, go listen to him, and then come back to us, and you'll get much more benefit out of what we have to say. Uh, This is a unique episode in some ways. Uh, Kevin and I have changed locations from our normal spot. Uh, Kevin is, uh, Kevin and I are in my house. And we're recording live from the Jensen residence. So, Kevin, how are you? This is actually probably the most comfortable podcast <laughs> I've been part of. Yes. Lounging the, in Kyle's easy chair, the, cup of coffee. Seating is nice. I, I do like the seating. First Baptist Church of Washington, Michigan exists to glorify God by making disciples who are growing together to become more like Christ. And we are in the middle of a sermon series on... Our mission, unpacking our mission. We started with our upward focus, focusing on glorifying God in worship and in all of life. And then we moved on to our inward focus, making disciples together, growing together to become like Christ. And then this this week and last week, we're, we're examining evangelism, which we're calling our outward focus, uh, our making disciples of other people who are not presently disciples. Last week was focused on our responsibility to evangelize where we are locally, and this week focused on evangelism abroad, which is often called missions. So, Kevin, any big ideas that stuck out to you from this week's sermon? There's a few things. Um, I appreciated how he highlighted at the beginning, uh, specifically Romans 15. We have Paul... um, having the focus of reaching people who have not yet heard the gospel. And I think that's an easy thing for us to forget. You know, I don't think about that as I should every day when we have such a wealth, a glut, as it were, of biblical knowledge and books and, you know, resources that are available to us. And there's people that don't even, let alone not having a Bible, has not even heard the name of Christ mm-hmm. is always a sobering reality, not just the, for the fact that they haven't heard and we need to go, but also to take good stock of the responsibility that we've been given with all the amount of information and blessing. Uh, So I think that was one thing. Um, But also um, the applications, what we can do. Um, Growing up, and this wasn't really anybody's, necessarily anybody's fault in particular that was just like teaching heresy about missions. But specifically in America, I think for myself anyways, growing up, I always thought of missions as we send, we pray, and we give. And Pastor Phil took a lot of time talking about the relationship that we're supposed to have with missionaries. And that was something I I had not thought about until a couple years ago. I took a uh, two-credit, um, audit, audited a two-credit seminary course on missions from a missionary. And he really brought a lot of those things. And I, that was the first time. So, you know, I was probably, I was 19 at the time. Grew up in a church my entire life. And that's just something that we, I think we forget. And even now. Um, it's probably the hardest thing for me regarding missions as a church member to keep my handle on. I am fine giving money. It's easy. It's America, we typically just throw money at problems and we forget about them. And let's say we sh- should give and support, um, but really focusing on the aspect of relationship. Like when we had Lance and Amy the last time they were here, 
we had a Q&A the last Sunday before they left. I think this was before you came, probably mm-hmm. the year before. It was, it was, they ended up, I think they left like two weeks before I came. They were, they were very, yeah, it was very, very close. close. And the Q&A were basically where we asked some very basic questions just to get to know them, not just their ministry, not just the people that they're ministering to them, but to get to know them on kind of an outside of the office level, if I could mm-hmm. say it that way. Yeah, I think one thing that Pastor Phil kind of touched on in his introduction that um, is similar to the kind of thing you're talking about there is that missions ought not be inherently different from our local church life here. Uh, that the main, the main difference between what a missionary does and what a pastor does here in the States is that a missionary crosses cultural boundaries. Um, that's like the main difference. There might be a couple other small differences related to that, but in terms of their mission and their task, it's not all that different from what we're doing Mm -hmm. here, which in some part really does, um, go into sort of what he he mentioned there a little bit that if we, if we see somebody who says they're going to be a missionary and, their life in the States where it's kind of comfortable and where Christianity is easy is not up to snuff is not, you know, they're, they're, they're not serving in their church. They're not showing the fruit of the spirit particularly well. Then we're crazy. If we think they're going to do it in a place where it's harder Mm -hmm. to be a Christian and where they might be lonelier and all those, all those things that, Pastor Phil mentioned in the sermon about uh, the different struggles that missionaries have. Um, we're crazy to think that they're going to be really good, solid Christians in the face of those things if they haven't been really good, solid Christians here in the States where it's been easy. Yeah. And uh, I say this in the probably, I don't want to bring up offenses here, but I think in historical Christianity, probably in the last 100 years or so, we tend to think of missionaries, you know, the people that don't make it here in the States, um, sadly, I've known a few like this, not here at this church or even at the church before, but we've kind of like, okay, well, you can't survive here, so we're going to send you over to the field. And that's actually mm-hmm. a really harmful idea. Mm-hmm. They're actually going to do more damage over there being apart from that than they are here. Um, so I think that's like a probably a, a fallacy that comes up a lot is like, let's just send them, send them over there and they're going to survive. And that's completely against what pastor phil was talking about and even like our biblical ideas of accountability like the, the reason why having that relationship is so important is because they don't have that support group mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you and i we go to church and we see you know alfonso or you know any number of people and like you have you know Alfonso is asking you about your bible reading as he he will ask me or text me during the week they don't have that over there like they're kind of going in as the spiritual leader um so which is another just as a pure you know, missions philosophy kind of thought teams are almost always better than solo Mm -hmm. missions. Um, So if you can get a group of like two or three or four missionaries working together to reach a certain place, that's almost always more effective and better than a single missionary going to a single place Mm -hmm. um, for that. And you kind of mentioned there, Kevin, that we don't send kind of the off scourings Mm -hmm. of church life here. And I think there's a danger, even on the flip side, I think in our generation uniquely perhaps, there's this sort of glamour that exists around missions, mm-hmm. uh, sort of sort of almost like a like the the young men 
who are pictured in like if you watch like revolutionary war movies or whatever there are these 17 year old kids who have no idea about the horrors of war and they're they're like gung-ho they want to go fight in the revolution and they want to go fight and i i think in some ways there's a little bit of that glamour of missions work that exists in our generation um in that a lot of the godliest people are like super pumped about missions and and i love I love that. Like we ought to be concerned about what God is doing globally. Absolutely. But if every godly qualified person we have goes into missions, then like pastor Phil mentioned in like 50 years, we're going to be no different than the UK. Yeah. We're going to be, um, we're going to languish spiritually. The church in America is not going to work well. And Mm -hmm. I, I think just an analogy that came to mind, and maybe this is dangerous to go to history with the history buff here. Um, (laughs) but, um, I, I thought a little bit about World War II, and there were the, there was this big push for the people on the home front mm-hmm. um, to be involved in the war effort by planting gardens and saving tin and doing all those sorts of things. And I think a lot of time, I, I, I think we could benefit from that sort of mindset in some ways, even with the churches here in America, that we can't just abandon the churches here. Um, we need to have a real mindset of we're involved in what God is doing globally because what God is doing globally includes what God is doing here. And so I I think that we need to walk that balance between not everyone who is godly and qualified needs to go into missions, but we should also all be willing to go. We shouldn't just love the comforts of our Christianity here in America so much that we're not willing to go. Yeah. I think he explicitly said that in the sermon where he said, I think the first applicational point was be healthy here in Washington. Um, uh, I just thought, oh, an example of this was, I think we were just in class the other day with Kyle and I are in seminary class and we we're discussing a lot of these things regarding mission of the church and ministry philosophy. And he was talking about the difference between people groups and a geographical place. So you have like a place like, the Congo and Africa where that's like a geographical place, but you also could have a group of, let's just say there's a Congo group of believers or like Detroit. Let's just use that example. You have a lot of Arabic and Iraqi middle Eastern people. Like that's a people group within a larger geographical place. So that mission, like you're kind of saying we can do that here and reach different than just expanding our horizons that we don't necessarily have to go across the world to actually do mission work even with a different people group necessarily right so like we have a lot of spanish-speaking people in washington mm-hmm. which we've been talking about over probably the past year about how to you know break into that yeah that'd be an example here yeah and if there's zero concern for doing that here then you should then we shouldn't look at that person and say ah that person's probably a good person to send overseas um yeah. to some other place yeah it's and and so, so we're, we're trying to kind of walk this balance between like, we need people here in America. We need good, godly, qualified pastors here in America. We need good, qual- good quality church members here in America. We need men and women who love the gospel, love God, love Jesus to stay in America and help the church here. But we need good, godly, qualified, God-loving, gospel-loving, Jesus-loving people to go across ethnic and cultural boundaries, to go across language boundaries even, and go reach the unreached places and the unreached peoples of the of the earth. So I think 
I think a lot of times we hear this talked about, we all need to be willing to go. Yep. How do we determine if we should go? So actually, I was just thinking about this as you're talking. Sorry, that's, yeah. that's, that's rude. But this came to my mind, building right off that is, you know, you're not going to have that secret message in the clouds mm-hmm. of, you know, whether you go or whether you're not. And like the bottom line is really quite simple. I mean, it's really, if you think about it, it's really the entire Christian life that every day you're embracing the grind of following Christ, mortifying the desires of the flesh, putting on Christ and obeying one of his commands, which is to make disciples add to the church. And if you're doing that, I think God is going to make the steps apparent as he opens and closes doors. Like, I think we probably need to stop worrying so much about whether I need to go or whether or not to do and just embrace what the scripture says to do. And when, when we do that, um, it's not like spooky or magical, but God leads you in the way you're to go. He's going to give you a burden that you just can't put away for the people in France. Like Lance and Amy talked mm-hmm. about that. Like Lance didn't want to go to France and Amy prayed and Lance, you know, they, they worked out They're in France now. Like God gave them that burden and he's given certain people. Like I know like Kyle, we've t- discussed about this and he's given you a burden for churches here and your abilities mm-hmm. and your skills. So keep following those things out, I guess. Follow Jesus and take it step by step. Yeah. It's very simple, but I mean, that's really, that's the essence of it. Yeah. I, I love that as a starting point. Do be focused on what we know to be doing, what, what God's word is explicitly clear. And I think a lot of times this, this goes into like the, the will of God discussion. A lot of times yeah. we live our lives trying to figure out what's God's will for my life. Um, I mean, first Thessalonians kind of answers that in one way. This is God's will for your life, your sanctification abstain Mm -hmm. from, you know, abstain from fornication. So God's will for your life is that you would abstain from immoral activities. Um, and, and so a lot of times I think we, we need to understand the will of God as being a lot more, a lot simpler than often we make it. But so, so let's say, um, let's just kind of go step by step here. So I'm being a good, faithful, diligent believer here in the States. And then as I'm as I'm doing that, I start to sense in me a desire to go overseas to to not to go overseas, but I begin to sense in me there's a burden for a particular place, a particular people group that is unreached, and I want to be a part of reaching that place, that people with the gospel. What's like Which step, step number yep. one? So, well, I'll do one A and one B. Okay, so. I think the first is obviously pray as you have these desires, you would pray that, okay, you're giving, I'm sense this burden and you pour yourself out to God. You pour yourself in the scriptures, but then like second, like you talk to your pastor, because I think like the local churches, that's where it starts and ends with mission either here in Washington or sending other. And just as the church is responsible for recognizing leaders to be pastors and it's missed where the congregation says, okay, this person is gifted with the ability to teach and preach, the, uh, the character qualities meet in First uh, Timothy, the pastoral epistles, we're going to put this person up and ordain them as a pastor. That, I think, needs to t- be taken to the pastor. I have these desires, these burdens, and you start the process there of the congregation recognizing those, I think, a lot of those same qualities. Maybe not, um, you know, if you're going to be a pastor necessarily over there or your church planner or whether you're putting a business there and seeking just to evangelize one way or the other, you have the character qualities and the skills necessary for that field. And I think that's the next step that you need to take this to the church. That's the church's responsibility to raise up leaders, to be pastors, but also to send people out. 
Mm-hmm. So you don't you don't go just out of a vacuum just by on your own. I think go talk to your pastor about that, and they'll be happy about that. No pastor, I think, who is excited about the mission. I know I can just gonna speak for our pastor and our staff. They they would be pumped if somebody would have the desires to go abroad. Uh, but yeah, take it to your church. Yeah, and I, I think that's a good point. I think a lot of times we we tend to um we we view missions as a unilateral decision. I decide whether or not I go into missions and kind of what we've been saying this whole time is that um, going into missions is far more significant in a lot of ways than just like I wake up one morning and I decide I'm going into missions or I feel out of place here. So I'm going elsewhere. It's a um, it's a prayerful decision that we should make with a multitude of counselors. Um, and particularly with the church, because that's the pattern actually that we see is that the church sends out the missionaries. Um, I think think about what is that? Acts, um, Acts 14. Is that Acts 14? That's what he talked about. Yeah. Um, that when Paul and Barnabas, I'm, I'm even thinking, I think maybe a little earlier, like before Acts 14, like, um, Acts, I think it's 12. Yeah. Maybe it's 12. Yeah. Acts 12, um, where the spirit tells the church at Antioch to set apart Saul and Barnabas specifically for the missions endeavor. And um, there's a, there's a serious element that not, like you said, nothing spooky there, but where the church needs to recognize people as being qualified to go as missionaries and having the giftedness and the character qualifications (laughs) to effectively be a part of, be a part of missions. And, and another side benefit of that is that your, your pastors have connections Mm-hmm. <laughs> they yeah. they know that they can help take they can help somebody take the next steps once it's determined that they ought to go to the field the pastors can help shape the next steps they can help train they can help do all these things so there's there's a there's a lot to be said for involving yeah. uh, the local church in your decision to go or not to go and i think it's funny we've probably talked about this a number of times over the series that the church recognizes giftedness whether that's spiritual gifts we talked about that before you know leaders and even missionaries that seems to be a theme that keeps coming up yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's i mean we it's it's appropriate i think because we're we're talking about the mission of our church and the mission god has determined that the christian life not be lived in isolation yeah we I, i was talking actually with a guy in our church about this just this past week um He's concerned for a relative of his who's not involved in church and is trying to live a Christian life without settling in a local church. And I encourage him to go to Ephesians 4 and, you know, do a deep dive in Ephesians 4 and study that out. It's we um, we need the church. We're designed to need the church. And that even means when we're talking about giftedness in ways that we serve in the church or in missions, we need the church together. Um. So, shifting gears just a little bit, um, when we talk about somebody going over as a missionary, Pastor Phil kind of warned us that there's a, there's a tendency, I think, to view a lot of different things as being missions mm. that aren't missions. Um, yeah. I guess, first question, what sorts of things tend to be misconstrued as missions? And then second, what sorts of things are genuine 
missions. Yeah. So I'm. This is actually one of the things that I wanted to get to. So I'm glad great, you brought it up. Great. I'm. I'm currently reading a book. Kyle and I again are in the class. Uh, what is the mission of the church by DeYoung and Gilbert? Um, great book. Great read. I would encourage you to pick that up. And if you have questions as you're reading through it, uh, go talk to Pastor Phil or Kyle. You can answer some of those. Or Pastor David. Yeah, Pastor David. Oh uh, yeah, he, he. I know he's read this book too. Yeah. Um, so. Um, but they basically talk about in there like the the idea that sometimes there's a group in Christianity that takes all of Jesus' ministry, not just the preaching aspect, but also the miracles, and um, they create kind of this idea that we need to attack the entire creation. So that's whether that's spiritually, physically, and even like sometimes um, they get into more mental mental aspects of that so where you're not only preaching the gospel to people but you also view it as a mission like fulfilling the great commission not just as a good thing to do to love your neighbor but you view this as a vital portion to have social justice um, if you could say that in a broad way where you're um, putting in wealth i think that's what pastor phil used this morning or you are writing social wrongs where there is like injustice that is happening um in those situations and they view that as their ministry which is um, christ ministry as opposed to more of a central view um, where we're preaching the gospel that is what our main focus is to do and underneath that as we live out our christian lives we are loving our neighbor but we're not misconstruing as like a good example that one person john stott who is more of the holistic the one that all all of life is mission where you have preaching the gospel and social reform he compared it to two wings of a bird where you have one side of preaching the gospel and one side of kind of the social aspect where we would say that the mission, the fulfillment of the great commission is the preaching of the gospel, the making of disciples and the planning of local churches. And with that, a vital, you can't separate that you have it underneath it as a natural outgrowth is the loving of your neighbor where you would, you're not just going to leave somebody on the side of the road hungry <laughs> as you walk by them and kick them on the side. Like, no, I'm just going to preach you and let you starve. Um, that kind of idea. I don't know if that, hopefully that's yeah. clear. I'm not butting the waters. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I think sometimes there's that false dichotomy that gets drawn Yep. Uh, where it's like, if we preach the gospel, if, if we're gospel focused in our missions, then, then what ends up happening is, um, that we, we just never meet anybody's physical needs. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, not... and that's not, you know, that's <laughs> not the point. But the point is also that, you know, if all we ever do is give somebody clean water, then they can go right to hell with a bottle of clean water in their hands. Yeah. Um, which is a, we, we haven't actually done anything particularly good for them if all we've done is meet physical needs. Yeah. So when we're, when we're talking about legitimate so 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 false missions if i can call it that is tends to be things like meeting meeting physical needs and not really preaching the gospel and and thinking that if we go i don't know start a clinic or something we're gonna go start a clinic and we're going to meet people's physical needs if that never crosses over into evangelism and church, I, w- I would say church planting, yeah. then we're not actually doing missions yes. there. Then that's that's a good thing to do. That's a nice thing to do. But at the end of the day, I mean, you can make somebody healthy. But if you're not ministering to their soul, then then it's not actually missions. Yeah. So, so we kind of already have kind of danced around the issue a little bit. Real missions looks like what? I think you said church planning, and this was another aspect 
um, if we can even work in another, I don't know if we want to make this even more complex, but missions like American missionary going over there is wanting to raise up leaders in that country who are native indigenous people at indigenous is kind of like the fancy word where it's not just an American missionary going over there and kind of making American churches. So making everybody converts of American Christianity, but you're actually going over there and raising up people in that people group. So I think that that plant churches. So that adds like another nuance in it. So I would say real missions is going over there and planting churches that are led by the people in that place because they know how best to interact with the people there. They best know the culture. They best know how to minister there and apply, contextualize the scriptures in that environment. So I would think that is healthy missions or what real missions is that. I think that's what you asked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm reminded, um, Kevin and I had a professor when we were in college who was a, a big missions guy. And, uh, he, he kind of, he, he goes after the idea that we need to, we have these old, really ancient missionaries who mm-hmm. are getting ready to retire and who is going to go take their place. And he kind of gets a little bit, he would get a little bit um, agitated about that concept because if a missionary is retiring, if he's been there, you know, for 50 years and he's retiring and he has no one over there who's from that culture in that location who can carry on the work of the gospel there, then at some point you ask the question, well, what is he doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that's not to say that we shouldn't, like, it, it is sobering that, you know, missionaries are coming off the field and we need to send missionaries out again. So there, the, I don't want to d- belittle that concept that we need to send missionaries out and, and continue reaching the nations. But if a missionary is retiring and if that missionary leaving the field kills the gospel work in that place, then we have to wonder how much sustainability does that gospel work have? How much of that is actually legitimately based on the gospel and on Christ and how much of that is built on the missionary and his personality or his talents and abilities? I think you even have a lot of paradigms for that in the new Testament and Acts specifically where Paul is going around Mm -hmm. and planting churches, but he is training people. Like I think specifically of the church in Ephesus and you kind of have that emotional home going where Paul gives his last um, kind of instructions to them, but like they're Ephesians, Ephesian leaders in the Ephesian church at Ephesus. And that seems to be his pattern as he goes there and he plants churches and he's kind of moving forward. Paul is not like the pastor. Uh, like he spends time in first Corinthians at the Corinthian church and we can kind of go into the, some of their problems to kind of strengthen them. But he doesn't stay there forever. You know, there's churches that are on their own with their own leaders there in their context in the new testament um so i think um we can as americans i think we tend to struggle with that that i'm don't want to get into american exceptionalism and everything but specifically in the church context we don't need to be making american churches because we won't be able to best meet the needs there in the culture and even best engage them with the gospel it actually hinders our gospel witness because we're not we haven't grown up there so mm-hmm. yeah and there's Just a, from there's a practical a danger. aspect yeah and there's that danger of uh exporting western westernism exporting americanism instead of exporting christianity yeah um and just trying to make them into good you know american christians instead of african christians or yeah um asian yeah. christians or yeah. whatever there's no, i mean there's nothing wrong with you know loving you know i don't want to 
right, belittle right, that. Yeah, but yeah, specifically yeah, yeah. for Christian, you know, I don't want to <laughs> put things forward, but it, it is specifically in the country. church, <laughs> like that's not like what we're called to do. There's some mm-hmm. separation there. So. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, as we uh, as we come to a close Man, here, Kevin, it's fun um, by fast. <laughs> we it can is. talk about it, this. It forever. goes by fast a lot a lot of times. Um, as we come to a close, uh, how can we develop deeper relationships with our current missionaries? What are some practical tips? I mean, he mentioned this morning just emailing and calling using the technology that we have. I'll just be honest; that's not something I am great at. Um, I usually do better when they're here visiting, like talking to them. I enjoy doing that, but. I know from other people that have emailed them and kind of the response they've gotten and actually knowing a few missionaries and hearing how much their soul is lifted by that communication. I think that's probably the best thing we could do. We like our church does a really good job with being generous with missionary. You know, we give a lot of money mm-hmm. to missionaries. We pray. And even with the bulletins now we're praying regularly for missionaries as they come up. Um, but that aspect of probably getting to know, user, utilizing technology um, the gifts that we've been given there in this day and age, I think, could be a huge blessing to the missionaries. Not only from the fact of encouragement, but also kind of the accountability where we're, you know, checking up that we know that they're out there. We haven't forgotten about mm-hmm. them. They're not just yeah. a picture on the wall. So, yeah, and I'll I'll add to that that our our pastoral team has contact info available for um, most, if not all, of our missionaries. Uh, there might be one or two where our um, info is a little bit more protected. They might be in some yeah. dangerous places or whatever. Um, but if you are interested in contacting any of our missionaries, or even if you want a list of our present missionaries, uh, please feel free to get in touch with me, get in touch with Pastor yeah. Phil, get in touch with Pastor David, and we will uh, we'll get that to you. You're going to put one more thing in there. Yeah, go for it, man. I, I think like one of the most helpful things for me, like I'm a reader, mm. but I think in general, like there's a lot of, good material out there right now that would help expand our knowledge of what biblical missions is mm. and that would even probably spark some questions that you could ask to the pastoral team so that we could put out there like i know andy johnson's book on missions mm-hmm. um pastor little, phil really likes that's a little book the little one yeah, very that, helpful that pastor phil might sure. even i might be putting him on the spot but <laughs> he might even have an extra copy to give to you for free or be able to get you a discount I'm not, no promises. So you, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that'll be in my head. Um, what is the mission of the church? That's one of my favorite ones. I've read that. And this is the third time I'm reading it. I have to read it for class, but it's just super helpful working back through that. Yeah. That's um, um, what is the mission of the church by Kevin DeYoung? And is that Greg, Greg Gilbert? Gilbert? Yep. Greg Gilbert. Um, for the sake of his name. I know that's probably one of Pastor Phil's mentors wrote that book. And so a lot of that you would probably recognize from the sermons for the sake of his name. That's by Dave Doran. Dave Doran. Um, I know you had let the nations be glad earlier yeah, uh, by John, John Piper. Piper. Um, if you really wanted like what the Bible, like a thorough, like study right through the beginning and end of the Bible, this is, might be a little reaching at straws on the nerd side, but uh Kostenberger and PT O'Brien do a book. It's in the new studies on biblical theology on the mission in the Bible, which is a super helpful. If you just want to go right through the Bible and have just some extended commentary on every single scripture passage in the Bible, talks about missions if you want to get into that then uh that would be awesome that's and and with these just as a a small disclaimer here on the very end we kevin and i enjoy reading books on this kind of idea of of church philosophy as does pastor phil and pastor david uh but we only wholeheartedly holistically affirm scripture yes with all of these books chew the meat spit out the bones yeah the only truly boneless book is the bible um, and don't take that <laughs> any like further that. than it actually goes. <laughs> um, 
So, Kevin, thanks for having this conversation. Yeah, Thank you pleasure. to our, our listeners for listening to us talk about this. Um, as always, we want to end by reminding you that you can find sermons, more episodes of the podcast, and devotionals on our blog at fbcwm.org. And Lord willing, we'll be back next week with another episode.